Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 308. My name is Brando and Michael Ryan. Thank you for not thinking I'm psycho for sending you emails for a while because I wanted to talk to you. And uh, I got to give a shout out before we get to you and Scooby-Doo to, to Kevin and, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Fleming, who wrote the, the Looney Tunes uh, episode. And he, I think he's the one that connected us. So it was pretty mm-hmm. kind of pretty kind of cool. Um, yeah. So Michael, uh, who is the story editor, the head writer of, of Scooby-Doo, uh, it's not where are you, right? That's the who one. Are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where are you is the original, right? That was the 1969 I, version. I know. <laughs> I'm younger than you, but sometimes I have to pause and say the correct one. Uh, so thanks. I, you, you got back to me and I'm glad you've been able to breathe because you obviously have been juggling so many things. So before I even get to Scooby and Axel, and can I guess I want to get to know you a little bit, if you don't mind. Sure. Sure. Um, absolutely. Where are you located, if I, if I can ask? With I'm in Los Angeles. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my hero. Um, in Los Angeles, in Marina Del Rey. Yeah. Okay. Is that, uh, what is that, one of Muhammad Ali's quotes uh, Quotes behind him? Yeah, it's one of his, like, impossible is nothing quotes. It's, okay. it's, it's so wicked. Yeah. It's like, nothing, nothing is impossible, basically. Like, it's a challenge. Someone tells you something's impossible, that, that's like a challenge. That's, you're going to, you're going to make it possible. You know, so yeah, well, you did the impossible by getting Axel Rose on on Scooby Doo a little bit, yeah. And before I I forget, it's not just Kevin Fleming, but uh, Rob Janis from uh, from Looney Tunes, and it's so cool because it was I don't know a couple years ago I had them on and they gave the real behind the scenes of of Axel doing this and to get your perspective. Uh, But I did the same thing with them. Uh, I I got to know their their kind of career path. So are you from? LA is this something you've always wanted to do write cartoons this is where your career started um actually I grew up in Kentucky in Louisville okay. and um went to school in Indiana Indiana University in Bloomington IU and um I did want to write I always wanted to write and uh I had a professor who told me if you want to write you know go to one of the coasts and I was like okay I'm gonna go so I ended up in Los Angeles and um and honest to God, it, when I was a kid, I loved animation. I mean, it's one of my favorite things to watch. I always favorite things to watch. And um, I didn't actually realize you, that they wrote for animation until I ended up in Los Angeles and, and discovered this whole sort of world. Uh, and it was at Hanna-Barbera Cartoon Network, right about when Cartoon Network was starting. And uh, I was like, oh, they write for animation? Like, wait, how do I do that? How, where, where can I start? Because I've been writing for a long time. I think I can do it. So um, I started writing um, for free, as, as you usually do, and yeah. then started getting work. And um, uh, so I started at Cartoon Network, and I ended up being a writer on Dexter's Laboratory, uh, Powerpuff Girls, um, Cow and Chicken. I was a story editor on that, head writer, um, and uh, Johnny Bravo as well. And so kind of my whole career started there, and I've been writing ever since on just all kinds of different shows and just loving every minute of it. You know, you just named all shows I grew up with and watched with my brothers. I'm uh-huh. the, uh, the oldest of four, you know, Dexter's laboratory and, and cow and chicken. You know, the, the, the shit you got away with, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was so great. Oh, that was um, in the power. I admittedly, I watched the Powerpuff girls. Absolutely. I think, I think I have it on my book bag. Uh, I'd have to take it down. Uh, I don't want to ruin if you're watching this on Zoom. I have the the background of uh, what is it? The Dark Diner at Route 66. <laughs> I guess during Axel Rose, but literally in my book bag next to me, you just have to believe me. I have a Mojo Jojo plush. Ah, uh, yes, so, I love it. Yeah, that's why it's awesome, and one of the reasons why I, I got into GNR honestly is not just the music, but the kind of people they are. And I'm a cartoon mm-hmm. guy, and when you see 
Slash talk about it. I, I think he's, you know, SpongeBob, he praises it and, you know, Axel, uh-huh. this kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, this is, these are my kind of people. So that's great. So you're my kind of people. <laughs> Amen. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, any chance before I lose it of, because nostalgia is big. Um, did any of, because I know Powerpuff Girls has a revival, you know, the live action. I mean, that's totally different. Uh, yeah. But like what they do with uh, with Rocco's Modern Life or like updated movies. Do you see like an updated movie of Dexter's Lab coming or Cow and Chicken? Anything? Oh, I would love to see a Cow and Chicken come back. Uh, only because I think I think in a weird way it could it could come back even like it could belong more. <laughs> I mean, it was just a little bit crazy, and I loved it being crazy. It was a big part of my life, and um, uh, I think that. I suspect they'll want to try and bring back everything. You know, I think even um, what about Johnny Bravo? Cause he, could he last in today's society? Honestly? <laughs> I don't yeah. think so. No, he would not fit in. He might get canceled <laughs> like Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. He is. He's on, he's in the Pepe Le Pew aisle, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Which is again, to tie it into GNR, I just think it's funny because the you know, Axel has worn a lot of controversial t-shirts, Charles Manson and kill your idols. Perhaps the most controversial shirt ever was Slash's Pepe Le Pew shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's genius. Yeah, that is. That's no, never know. That's uh, rock and roll though, right? <laughs> uh, absolutely. So I guess you must have met all kind of crazy people throughout doing this because it's not just Scooby. There's a lot of guest stars or people who want to get involved. Is that something that ever took you by surprise like especially going from kentucky to la that's got to be a culture shock it was oh, me it was when i first started in, in radio i went from you know long island new york city to cape cod that was mm-hmm. how i started you know it's different for radio you got to start from the bottom right somewhere of course and that was a culture shock i was like things close at 11 p.m that's <laughs> weird so i got to imagine it's gonna be a culture shock not just with la but to work on these shows and learn, figure out this new love of yours and to meet, you know, I, who are some of the people you met early on? I, I guess I, I could ask. Is that um, I think there's like, there's a couple of favorites that I met that are, that I mean, a little bit, not, not big stars, but like um, uh, Jonathan Winters was, we've worked okay. with him and, and he was so funny and so brilliant and so sweet. And um, um, I, there's been a, a couple that I've worked with. And then uh, we did a show on Johnny Bravo. We did a fair faucet majors where she showed up. That was one of my favorite moments. Um, and then uh, even the, but the cast of Scooby-Doo, believe it or not, um, like Frank Welker, who does Scooby and Fred, he was the original Fred in 1969. And he's just so brilliant. And he knows everyone. He's met everyone. So just listening to him tell stories has been sort of a brilliant sort of, there've been like moments where, um, just a lot of different people you meet over the years that just, they're just like, they they're in, in the tiers of, of entertainment industry that, that you may not understand because there's so many levels to it. And, um, I didn't understand it and, until I got into it. And then you, it's just this sort of history. You just sort of step into a history, especially when you're dealing with some of the older actors that, that everyone kind of knew everybody and, and they'll tell you all these stories and you go to the smokehouse and you have drinks and it's just like, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it was fun. I, it was a great way to, to sort of make a living and, and grow up at the same that time. That fascinates me, really. I mean, that's something that I think would be just a such a fun job and, and uh, a never-ending job, too, because just think about how long cartoons have, have been around and just the different varieties. So when you got into it and you're starting writing for these, I, I don't know at the time if they were already hits, but now they're legendary shows. But did you have a, a mind... A goal in mind, I guess. Did you want to create your own stuff? Did you want to end up on a Scooby Doo to work on something legendary? Did you like where did you want your career to go now that you found animation? I think that's I I just love the work. I love telling stories and I love sort of getting involved with characters and really pushing the characters. And and I think um yeah, I always loved Scooby even as a kid. So so finally getting to sort of be a big part of Scooby. And then I did, um, before I did guess who, um, one of the big Scoobies I did was Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, which was um, uh, kind of a, a bigger sort of overarching Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of version of Scooby-Doo. And it was really fun and really, really fun to work on. Um, yeah, I just think, and it did a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was really fun for me. Too, oh, did you and, see, I can hold this up to the, the camera. My water, ah. it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> 
I love that. Did you see my little Leonardo hanging from my headphones? Ah, that's brilliant. Ah, Leo, he's actually my favorite character. (laughs) I I am the oldest of four boys. We are the turtles, so I'm Leonardo. So I love it. Oh, that's perfect. I mean, yeah. yeah. Kind of, it sounds super nerdy, but it's been like that since we were a kid. Our personalities match. It's just, it's, it's, it's a radical. <laughs> that's, I think that's brilliant. You guys should, now that should be a movie. You guys should consider, you should find some way to turn that into a movie awesome. where you guys are the turtles, but it's just in your <laughs> everyday life in Long Island. <laughs> oh God, that'd be, oh my God, that'd be fun. a combination of just Nature Turtles and Seinfeld. And some yeah, of. exactly. And Goonies. You have to, so some sort of Long yeah. Island like mix up, like where there's a okay. pirate treasure. You need well, a pirate treasure. <laughs> You're right. All right. Well, let's, let's collaborate. Let's talk after this. Maybe we can right. help the screenplay. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> uh, so then how long have you, when you got it to first started working for Scooby, that, so what was the version of Scooby you said that you were working on? At um, it was, that, that was 2012, I guess, Mystery Incorporated. Uh, that was um, at Warner Brothers. Uh, okay. And then, and um, then I went to DreamWorks for like five years and then I, and I came back to Warner Brothers for Scooby-Doo Guess Who, where we were getting all the guest stars. And we were trying to do that callback to the 1970s, 1972, I think it was, they were making all those movies, like with, you know, Scooby-Doo meets Mama Cass and, you know, just like right. Sonny and Cher and, and, and we actually Don got Knotts. <laughs> Don Knotts, exactly. Yeah, we were doing, so we wanted to do sort of an echo, uh, a, you know, callback to that. And That's great. So who were some of the people early on because i don't know if you got the harlem uh, globetrotters again because they're still around <laughs> we talked about it we actually talked about it i think um i think it was um we got chris paul instead as a basketball sort of player <laughs> so we got him to, to be and he was fun he was a lot of fun to work with and um we got a lot of fun people to work i mean we got morgan freeman and and uh, actually wow. writing a script for Morgan Freeman was terrifying for me because I wrote the script. But it was like uh, <laughs> wow. you're writing for the voice of God, you know, That's the what voice I mean. of God. every word you put down, everything. I'm sure you were as you were writing it. Uh, I mean, how, what's your process on a laptop, on a pad? You know, you're hearing it in his voice. I yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do a lot of stuff on in on uh, legal pad and then, cool. and then write it on the computer. Um, but I've. It's, but then you're saying you're doing the exactly what I just went through because it was like yeah. I would sit there and stare at this screen almost sometimes going, uh, Morgan Freeman's going to say this. This is, <laughs> uh, you know, start crying. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was fun. We had all sorts of uh, Ricky Gervais did a, did a show with us, did an episode with us, and he was a blast. And writing a script for him was, was fun and hard because he's so talented. And so to try and even mimic his voice was hugely challenging. But then he actually was very complimentary about the script. And um, we had a lot of fun people. Uh, Sia, the, the singer, she, she, did a, she did an episode with us too. Um, without the wig? Did she come without in? Without the wig. Yeah, okay. no wig. Yeah, she came in all just herself. Okay. All right. <laughs> Well, I don't know how far because again we're leading towards Axel, who um, I forget your 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 coworker who is the showrunner. His name escapes me. Forgive me. Uh, Chris Bailey. Oh, Chris. yeah. Chris the Bailey. one that he was interviewed in Rolling Stone, saying yeah, mm-hmm. in and out like Batman. So I kind of just want to get a sense of who, the people who preceded Axel and how he came in because what's been great about some of the people you mentioned, I guess all including Sia. I don't know her speaking voice. But when you get somebody who's just a larger than life character become animation, but then uh-huh. they're vocally, they're great. Like you can just listen to Morgan Friedman. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it gives you so many different aspects, ways to attack it. Like how to be creative with it, I guess, how to be creative with their voice, how to be creative with them physically on the paper. I mean, that's, I don't know. That's, that's me getting excited. That's me trying to live vicariously through you. Like, <laughs> what you possibly may you know, go through when you get somebody. Well, it was, it was fun. And I, there was a process that's kind of interesting to me only because I'd never done it this way before. Exactly. Um, was where I ended up writing every story, like every premise. And it was like two or three page premises because we actually had to send the premise to the celebrity or the star beforehand, you know, just to see if they were interested and if they liked it, then they would sign on. But if they and we had, we, and we did write some that, they turned us down because they were too busy or they were, you know, um, and, and I was really heartbroken because I was like, oh, that was my favorite premise, you know, my favorite story. And uh, so that was fun for me because it was like, um, 
immediate gratification if you write a story and you send it out to someone and they, they like it and you're like yay you know ricky gervais like my story <laughs> so sure, you're or, not you know, waiting around you know you're, there must be a lot of see someone like you you come off very you come off like a fan of, of mm-hmm. still of the of the industry but with that and maybe i'm asking for myself too is there are you so confident in stuff that you write? And you're like, I know Ricky's going to like this, but you're, just, <laughs> you're waiting to be like, I don't know. Like, no, I, every, I really don't know. Is no, that like every, every script or just every, yeah, of- every script, every story. I mean, you have fun in the moment and you get excited about it and you get passionate about it. And you go, Oh yeah, this is going to work. This is great. And then as soon as you send it out, you're like, they're going to hate it. Everyone's <laughs> going to hate me. I mean, it's like, you know, it's just massive insecurities. Yeah. I think that's just, I suspect that's everybody ever, you know, ever wrote that's anything or, or even acting. Yeah. You, everybody, it's like, we all, we get creative, we get excited, we do something passionately. And then as soon as it goes out there, we're like, they're all going to hate me. You know, it's like, it's just the, it's just the insecurity of creativity. I think we keep doing it to ourselves. Uh-huh. And uh, I think that's, that's something that isn't as well known about Axel. I think as, as people know why it takes, sometimes it takes them so long to put out music. And uh, I, I think they're maybe not now, but back in the day, there was an element of stage fright and sure. all these things. So that now when we see him, in this light, having or hear him, I guess, uh, having fun. So to go back to the article, and I want obviously to compliment uh, you speaking, um, you know, Chris, who was the, the sorry, what was his uh, title again from the wrong? From, oh, for Chris Bailey. Chris yeah. Bailey was he was our um, he was our executive producer, like um, or supervising producer, I think was his title, I think. But he yeah. was our showrunner, basically. He was our artist, and and um, he was in charge of the directors. And um, uh, so I want to. Sorry, I have like so many pages in front of me, so I'm like going toggling sure. back and forth. So to complement his article, an interview in Rolling Stone, it seemed kind of easy. Like somebody just mentioned Axel when this because you were talking about all the people that are coming. It's a, when you're figuring out who you want to come on next. It's just kind of a a writers meeting, a group meeting, and people just shouting out names. And Axel, someone just said it and it came out and you made it happen. Yeah. Well, that was, that was the, the beauty of it. I think we were, we would, we, we had, well, every animated show is like a crew of, you know, 20, 30 people in, in-house usually or 10 to 20 people like closely knit working hand in hand, um, like directors, uh, storyboard artists, uh, designers, um, art directors, uh, and then all sorts of production staff, like production managers, production assistants. So we're all working together all the time. And then um, it takes a village to make these crazy shows. And um, we would have meetings where we would it was almost like, okay, who's your favorite celebrity? Who, who do you think we should have talk to Scooby-Doo? And we would just, we would just throw out names of our favorites. And Axel was actually a pretty easy one. Cause we were all like, Oh yeah, Axel Rose. Oh my gosh, that's a great idea. You know, it's like, that would be amazing. Do you think we can actually get him to do it? And we were all like, I don't know, but, but we were all very excited about the idea. And, um, and there was actually one of the, um, the director, one of the directors, I think he's quoted somewhere in there, maybe to Mike Milo. Uh, he was like, yeah, Axel Rose, that, you know, yeah, he's one of my favorites. And, and, and then as soon as the name was mentioned, we all kind of like got all very excited. And um, so, yeah. And then we um, reached out to see if they were even interested and if his, if to his people, you know, his people. <laughs> and uh, then we wrote a premise or I wrote the premise and, um, and he agreed to do it. And we were all excited. So uh, yeah, it was really well, cool. Talk a little bit about that premise, what you decided, because you were spoken about um, from Chris, the showrunner of the, the episode within the article about you did some research on on Axel. And that's kind of what you based it around, uh, you know, his love of was it archaeology. Yeah, it was archaeology, and, and pies, you know, <laughs> yeah. and pies. Well, that was kind of it. Right. It was like um, uh, a combination of things like I think every premise Uh, I put together, I really wanted to hopefully find something that was interesting to the celebrity or the, the, um, all these people are icons. I mean, Axel's, he's an icon, you know? And so we were like, like, you want to find something personal, hopefully, or at least interesting, you know, to them. And so, so the combination of, I was reading articles and articles and I came across something about, about how, how he likes to read and what he likes. And, and he's really, really well-read and, 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 um, 
And one of the, I mean, could have like some, I think could have been an archeologist, could have been so many different things, but he, you know, he, he went to rock and roll, which was thank God, you know, for all of us, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, and that struck me. And then the whole sort of, uh, and then there was a whole sort of motorcycle rock and roll element, you know, that I thought was very important, you know, because of, I mean, I love motorcycles, but I think, uh, there was like, there is, it's just part of that, that, um, that iconic kind of vision, you know, you see, you see them, you see all my motorcycles, you know, it's like, there's like this. So I was thinking, Oh, motorcycles. And then route 66. Yeah. And then, then like archeology. span Okay. And then like mixing all these three together, like sort of based on all this, the, all the research I did on Axel. Um, it seemed like, a, it seemed like the right story. I don't know why it just sort of came together based on all the different things I read about him. But, uh, and where did the, um, there's a actually before I even get ahead, like an into the episode, one of the funniest things from that article was Chris was doing, I guess, with the, the, the back and forth with the lines and he started doing Scooby's voice. Like, were you in the room at that oh, time? Yeah. So, okay, that's something you, you see your baby being made, I guess, which I don't know if that's the proper way of, of saying it. Cause you might could say, okay, you like the script. I'll see you later. I'll be at home. But no, you're watching him do it. And uh, are you Absolutely. coaching him at all? So I guess, Let's start from when you first met him and then like talking about some of the lines. Did he have any like, oh, I like this or what if I said it like that? Take us through all of it. 100%. Actually, he was actually a great joy to work with. I was, um, uh, we never know. We ne you never quite know when you're going to work with a celebrity or uh, sort of a famous person, like what they're going to be like because some famous people are hard to work with and some aren't and, and you just never know. So we, we, had, we had different experiences with different famous people, but um, uh, most of them pretty great. So we were like, okay, he's a rock and roll star. You know, maybe we don't know what to expect. But then when we, when we met him, uh, so we showed up at the um, recording studio uh, and it was later at night and we, and we kept, um, we kept the people, the number of people down. We don't, you know, we don't like to bring in a lot of extra, everybody wanted to be there, but we were like, you know, we just don't want to crowd the, the, the artist, crowd the celebrity, you know, with too many people, it's not fair to them, you know? And of course, cause everybody wanted to go see Axel and um, we had to sort of limit it to basically just Chris and myself. And um, so you get in the, the, the booth and it's, they put, Axel in the recording booth and with the microphone and everything. And then we just run the script and then you're right. He did have like different ways he wanted to say things. And that was brilliant. And that's kind of why I'm there too, just to sort of go, Oh yeah, sure. You could change that line or, or we could change it together. Or it's like, well, maybe this would work better. And he, and, and he would suggest that and we go, Oh yeah, that'd be perfect. That won't mess anything up if we say it that way, you know? And um, so he I had a lot of good suggestions also to make it sound more like him to make it natural. That was the important thing too, because it was him playing him even as an animated character. But sure. uh, uh, yeah. So, so he had a lot of suggestions and we just ran the script line by line. Um, anything, Chris was directing. Anything specific that sticks out or, or a specific line that made him, you know, look at you and being like, you're funny. You know, <laughs> like I can't remember that one. I can't remember if there was any specific things that there was any praise involved, but um, uh, it was, he had fun. I think that was one of my favorite things about it. It was like, he seemed to enjoy himself and uh, he seemed into it. And, and it was like, um, he was just like a guy, like a, just a great normal guy. It was really fun working with him. Um, and uh he was fun to talk to and he seemed to have fun with the script. So, uh, yeah, I was, yeah, but there was one moment, I think we were talking about one of the, he was talking about lost civilizations and stuff. And he was like, he was into it. It seemed like it was like, Oh yeah, I take this, you know, it was like, it was really cool. So, yeah. Was there like, what did he come in? Cause I get, as I, and I appreciate, thank you to all my listeners. Cause I go to reread the article when it first came out with, with Chris, the showrunner. Uh, now, because I sound like an idiot before. Now I'm never going to forget. So, <laughs> You'll like appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a while since I had read it because it was. Yeah, it just been since, a, seems like a year almost. I apologize. And the article came out pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah it did. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. unlike with Looney Tunes. There was nothing. It just was, came on randomly one day. A, uh, a Guns N' Roses fan was watching the cartoon with his kid. And his YouTube video went viral of him just watching it. And then all of a sudden, like, it just. You know, that's, I, and it was like months later, I think I got in touch with the uh, with Rob and, uh, and, and Kevin, your, your fellow uh, 
<laughs> comrades in, in cartoon writing, but this was seems like very packaged. Uh, so one of the funny thing is uh, things that I read in the article that sticks fresh in my mind. And thank you to all the listeners. I can't forget Phil, aka uh, aka some guy from the UK uh, that sent me all the screen captures. Was that he wanted to come in at like three a.m. or one a.m. and it was agreed upon that it would be nine p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what did what did he look like? You don't have to go overboard and and, and you know tell us uh, if he was wearing like tight you know skinny jeans or something like that. But no, did he look I, like a rock star or did he just come in you know in a tracksuit? <laughs> that would have been funny. Uh, no, no tracksuit. He came in like a regular guy. It was beautiful. It was like uh, he had like on a plaid shirt. You know, like uh, just a regular kind of, um, you know, like the kind of plaid shirts we all wear and uh, uh, and blue jeans and, and boots. And, and, you know, me look like Axl Rose. That was it was really cool. You well, know, that's what I mean. Uh, like, did you when you saw him, was it like, oh, that's that's Axl or was it just like, oh, OK, cool. It's your Axl. Let's let's get to work. Was there any sort of starstruck at all at this point in your career? Because uh, it's Axl Rose. It's. Like you, we've been talking about. Yeah, I think you're always a little starstruck, and and I think Axel especially is like he carries like um, I mean we all grew up on the music, and and the music was so important to us, and 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 the music videos were so cool. I still we were I was just watching one the other day, and um um like November Rain that was like I, was, I just love that video, and then um you just you you see people over and over again like that, like Axel, and you you sort of like live uh watching them or listening to them and so then when you meet them for the first time in real life you are a little starstruck i was a little starstruck but it's like you know but you, they're there to work and they're there to have fun and and i think they didn't want they don't they don't really need you to be starstruck i don't think it's almost like that kind of gets in the way of the of the creative work so you're like okay calm down this is really cool he's he's a guy he's just a you know regular human you know so so just shake his hand and be really happy about being here and that's kind of you get kind of a it's like a slight euphoria you know and and you just sort of go with it and everything is just so much fun you know getting a chance to work with somebody like axel and and some of those high level um figures when he's reading the script, what is he looking at other than the script? Is the animation at this point done? Is he looking at anything? No, it's all. Um, we did do the designs, so they would know what they would look like as a as a cartoon character. They would they we gave them the the drawings of what the f- characters would look like, um, and then the script is just written out like a regular script, like a traditional script of you know uh, action and dialogue and scene headings and all that. So they read that and they they know what the dialogue is, and then um, we don't even do the animation until I mean it animation is this really long process it takes like eight or nine months to make a show and um uh yeah it's always it's like three times as long as i'm making a tv show i think and then um uh live action i mean and um so we would they read the script and pretty much recording the dialogue is kind of one of the first steps so um uh, once they see the figure and they get, they sign off on it. Go, oh, yeah, I like this drawing of me. Um, you know, it'll look like that when it's animated. And then they read the script. And they go, okay, everything's okay in the script. Or they give us notes. He didn't. I don't think gave us any notes uh, on the script. But um, then from the recording and the script, the storyboard artists and the each episode episodic director will take that and they'll draw out the storyboard. Uh, panel by panel, you know, frame by frame of what's going to happen. And then that gets turned into an animatic, which so we can kind of see sort of a moving living storyboard uh, in black and white, usually just hand drawn, um, just to sort of get a sense of the timing and how it's going to work. And so we make that uh, into like the finished piece of the storyboard that's animated and animatic. And then we send that usually to an animation studio and they are, they're the ones who turn it into that color that you've got behind you, <laughs> they, <laughs> that image. And that, that's the, 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 and then it comes back and we uh, do even more work to it in post-production. But um, so that's, so, it takes a while. So how long did this episode take? About that, about mm, probably eight months from start wow. to finish. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. Wow. That's, that's banana. So then what do you think about South Park when they do it? They <laughs> so timely. Like they're it, genius. Well, they're, they're geniuses that, but they use a certain type of animation too that that they can do pretty quickly. And I think they work really hard. And they I mean, everyone <laughs> works, works really hard, but I suspect 
um, they use a certain kind of animation that they can do on a, on a quick basis, kind of in-house uh, and sort of like, so they can be topical. And it, that's why it's very limited. As you see the kind of cutout figures and the kind of animation they do, um, it is limited because, because that's their style. And it's style that, like you said, so they can be topical and, and sort of jump on things right away. Yeah. I, I'm sure you've seen that documentary. Was it six days to air? Yeah. And, and just what I kind of asked you about, uh, before with someone with your accolades and, and getting nervous. And I still remember to this day, you know, he makes a South Park episode, you know, he wins Emmys. He's like, I put it out. I think I sent it to Comedy Central. I think it's shit. You know, I'm just going <laughs> to eat McDonald's just to, you know, my sorrows and eat my sorrows away. And you know, he's a genius. So I yeah. feel better about myself. Exactly. So you, and you made me feel better earlier because again, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm talking to the uh, guy who wrote on some of my favorite cartoons ever, like ever. Uh, so how long did I guess did it take for Axel to go through his lines? Cause it's funny because I, as a rate, uh, this podcast is kind of like a, uh, a passion project that I've been able to tie into my career, but for my career, uh, I work on different radio shows where I do work with different talent that have to record, you know, commercials or live reads. And I'm telling you, some people can read, some people can't. And right. you wouldn't be able to tell. We make them sound smarter on the air sometimes than they actually are. Oh, yeah. Nothing that that's Axel, because but I'm no. just curious. Uh, did he go through? Was he was he a one take Charlie, as they say? Uh, um, he was. Yeah, no. I mean, he was. He did get it. I mean, that's. I think also the maybe the benefit of playing yourself is you don't have to worry that much. You can just kind of relax and be into it and just do it, you know. And then. Um, we would always get multiple takes because you want multiple takes. Plus there's, you get to play with it too. You get, you get a good safety and you get it. Oh, that's perfect. Okay. Now, you know, maybe get really excited here or get really like, Oh, you know, scared here, or like have a reaction. And when you get to this part of the line, you know, and, and then play with it more that way. So, because so much of animation relies on the voice uh, uh, of the characters because we can't animate the face, right? What's the face got like, a, like so many muscles in it. So every, when you do live action, you see all the emotional reactions in someone's face. But um, when you do animation, we, we're very limited in terms of what we can show um, visually in terms of emotion. Uh, so, so much of the nuances of the acting have to come from the voice, come from the actor who's doing the voiceover. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, he did great. Um, because he was doing it by himself, a lot of times we'll do it as a radio play, which is great because we get like, if you get five or six actors in a booth uh, and you record the whole script, a lot of fun stuff happens and you sometimes record it and it works really well. And, um, or at least it's just fun to be there and it keeps the energy up. So, but we did it more the style that they do a lot of the movies where it's one actor, one microphone, do all the lines. <laughs> so um, we had okay. Axel do all of his lines and then we would read in with him a little bit to sort of preface it a little bit. And that's when Scooby, that's when Chris Bailey would do the voice of Scooby, you know, Ooh, Axel, you know, and then um, it's Axel Rose. And then, um, and then Axel would respond, you know, in, and we'd record it. So. Oh, it brilliant. And for speaking of the animation before I forget to ask, cause I know I can't keep you here forever. Um, if you need to sneeze, that's okay. I was going to sneeze. That's just like, all right, uh, went away. All right, okay. Get, I can't get COVID from you. Well, where? No, yeah, right. Woo! <laughs> COVID safe. <laughs> COVID safe. Zoom. Um, uh, why? Why is he blonde? He was blonde also in Looney Tunes. Uh, isn't is that something? Because he's is, isn't he like famously a redhead, or am I just a super GNR nerd? I mean, I know. Well, both. I think. Right. <laughs> you are. You are both. <laughs> You're correct. I can't argue. I won't. <laughs> why is he blonde? Why is, why is he blonde? He's not a redhead. Why answer that question? <laughs> I think, well, we, we, we did it. Well, that's actually, it makes me think of the Mark Hamill story, but, um, there's like, like you kind of talk to the, 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 the talent, the, the celebrity, and they kind of let you know what they want to do. But also I think too, we want people to connect with it visually in what they're used to. You know, it's like, like, um, uh, people think of Axl Rose, they think of, you know, what they see, what they've seen of Axl Rose for the you know past 20 years or whatever it's been. And, and, you know, on those public, on the stage, he, you know, he's got the blonde hair and, and that's what sticks in your head. So I kind of think, we were always hoping to identify, make sure that the visuals sort of matched kind of what people are expecting or what they're, so they'll connect to it more quickly or more readily. And, okay. uh, but he was, you're right. He, I think, come to think of it. Cause I mean, um, maybe 
It's like a he, it was a reddish. He does have kind of like a when I met him when he came to record. It was it wasn't it wasn't the blonde that we were used to watching in the music videos. It's or it's on stage. It's it is it was kind of a reddish uh, strawberry blonde kind of. Okay. All right. So um, my nerddom is it's, it's true. I think it it's seems correct. Yeah. I think your nerddom is your nerddom is validated. Because yeah, it's just interesting <laughs> because that's what people at Looney Tunes also made that same creative decision. And again, I, knowing the scuttlebutt of my forever, my my fellow GNR nerds, it's like, why is he blonde? I mean, it didn't take away from the enjoyment. It was just a, um, a something that stood out. Stood out. I, I, I don't yeah. know. It, it, it just, I think it, yeah, but I yeah, I think it's just so because you trying to reach a broader audience in terms of of like so people make that sort of visual recognition, you know. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask. Uh, it was addressed a little bit from Chris Bailey from Rolling Stone, the uh, the showrunner again, proving mm-hmm. that I can <laughs> retain some facts as we talked to Michael Ryan. <laughs> uh, how come? I know it was a dream to obviously have him do a song, which he did on Looney Tunes, Rock the Rock, which was just, it's funny because we haven't heard from Axl Rose prior to this year releasing a couple of newish songs right. uh, that we hadn't heard from him for years. And then all of a sudden he's doing a, a song for Looney Tunes. How far did any discussions go to do a song uh, on, on Scooby? Um, was that something that was ever really on the table to have, have happen? Sure. I mean, we, I think we did discuss it, obviously. I mean, he's Axl Rose. I mean, we, I mean, it's all about music, right? So um, I think it was funny. It was, it was almost like in a weird way, it was like, uh, um, what's the best way? Will it fit the story? And, and do, does he want to do it? And is it something that, that we want to force him to do or ask him to do, or, you know, it's like, and then I think at the end of the day, it just felt more comfortable um, and more fun to sort of just be Axl Rose, a guy, you know, that's on the motorcycle and hanging out with Scooby and Shaggy on this kind of like, like a, a, a pie quest in a sense, like that they were on this kind of journey to like, they have this sort of friendship. I always loved it when, when these, the celebrity had a relationship with like some of our characters, it was always fun. And so for him to have a sort of relationship with these guys made it really fun for us. And um, it just didn't seem like, uh, necessary for that to happen, for it to be about Axel, you know, and and I think that's the way. At the end, our final decision, I think, was based on that. That, um, yeah, I just to let it be. Yeah, just let it be Axel, you know, and not not worry about it, you know. But I kind of like that because sometimes when a uh, like a musical guest, nor a typical musical guest will host SNL, but won't be the musical guest. Like you'll see right. them in a different light. Uh, I guess it's just. Again, coming from the GNR nerddom, that we're so desperate for anything that will take new Scooby Doo, <laughs> music. Hey, if Axel wants to do a cow and chicken, you know, a theme song, that would be. I would lose. Okay, my- okay, no, all right, right. now, now you got me. We has to do that. He's got. All right, we're gonna. We'll, we'll, we'll have jungle. to do. That. We got cow and chickens. I think. I know. <laughs> I want that so badly. Now that you mentioned it, oh man, that would be oh. perfect. Oh, brilliant. Well, is there any chance? I mean, again, this is just hopes. And I, I love I love the uh, the cartoon again as somebody who still watches cartoons. I do. I still watch uh, the new Scooby-Doo. I still watch new when I can. Sure. So, uh, it's <laughs> that's my my uh, it's really not just for kids anymore. You know, <laughs> what's been great. And I think I guess what, what you guys did, you insert the, like references that my age group knows like. You know, maybe I'll have a kid in like a year or two, but didn't you have like Urkel on? Yeah, we had Urkel. That was a fun one. Um, we did a couple of Mark Hamill's. I mean, although I guess Mark Hamill's. Was, was that the was that the story you, before we lose it? Was that the story you were referring to earlier? Well, I was I was going to say the same thing about the, the hair color for Axel that with Mark Hamill, we gave him the beard because he yeah. often wears a beard and, yeah, in does. real life. And um and he was really happy about it because he was like, you know, nobody, whenever I do, if I, you know, if they're doing me uh, some version of me as a cartoon or whatever, they always do like the young Luke Skywalker, you know, 1977 version or whatever, you know. And, and he says, I was, it was really exciting. That you guys wanted to do the beard, you know, me and the beard. And we were like, yeah, we want to do you as you, you know. So it was, so it made me think of the, the haircut. It was sort of the same thing. It was like, like, um, um, to sort of uh, not necessarily go backwards in time, but also to sort of make a make a connection between the two uh, time frames. If that makes gotcha. sense. No, it does. It, yeah, it absolutely yeah. does. 
Any chance of a, uh, since they're friends, uh, Scooby, Shaggy, and Axel reunion? Would they would <laughs> hang out again? I would love that. I mean, I think, I think it would be a lot of fun. And um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I never, never say never, but um, I don't see it. anything in the moment. But yeah, I'll take that, it. That would be a good, that would be actually, now that you mention it, it's got my brain like churning because that would be a fun where they we do like um a special sometimes they do movie specials with scooby and that would be a really funny movie special to bring axel along they just got off tour now is the time to strike right i, I mean <laughs> i know right, you're right, like no right. work on new music nah i mean yeah I can right. do with axel gonna say, don't do a cartoon make a new <laughs> album yeah right <laughs> What do you what do you have going on, if I may ask? Anything where can we see the Michael Ryan name? Where can we check out your work? I just finished um just now finishing um episodes. I'm just finishing a show on uh, Apple TV Plus. It's an animated show called Wolf Boy and the Everything Factory. Uh, I was a showrunner and executive producer on it and a writer, and it was it's just beautiful, I think. It's one of my favorite things I've done in a long time. And uh I think it's it's really it's very sweet, but it's also it's just kind of magical. It's really pretty, and I love the art. So, the title itself it's, it's on, has me intrigued. <laughs> it's fun, yeah, it's fun. It's worth checking out if you get a chance. But you know, I feel I feel guilty saying that because it's like pressuring you. You know, go watch that show. But uh, <laughs> all I have to say is, really if, I, if I had Apple TV, I would watch it. So the pressure is taken off. Oh, it sounds good. I do want to watch it. It's man. That's what stinks. Like I moved, I was able to watch, I think this episode when I was living on long Island or in long Island, however, my accent lets me, this uh, lets me say <laughs> I had like the boomerang channel and then I moved to Queens right. and I don't have it. So it's like one of those that, you know, I'm just, I can't win. So a lot of times I just wait for things to hit the Netflix or Hulu or, or something like that. Yeah. Well, the good news is that you can watch the Axel episode on HBO Max right now because they it's October and they're doing a special um, October Scarefest kind of thing for Halloween. And they're putting up a lot of Scoobies and they put up almost all 52 of our um, Scooby-Doo Guess Who episodes on there. So oh, Axel's up there. That's good to know. HBO awesome. Max. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's a good way fun. to end it. Very cool. Michael Ryan, thank you so much. I know we've been in contact for a few months and uh, I, I can tell you're, while you're a very busy guy, wow. I mean, you just have, I, I, people think of being sarcastic when uh, people like ask me like, hey, how are you? And I'll be like, living the dream. And some days I might not be feeling it. You, man, you are living the dream. <laughs> Just like I am. Yeah, don't jinx it, but Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, very cool. Thank you. I was going to say uh, thank you for Cow and Chicken, Johnny Bravo, uh, Dexter, Powerpuff Girls, Ninja Turtles, my God. And, and this episode of With Axel, you, you wrote a great script, entertained so many people, and it continues to do the great work that you do. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Cool. Thank you so much. I do want to shout out that um, I co-wrote the I wrote the premise and um, and wrote the script with a, a really great writer named Caroline Farah, and she she actually wrote the script script, and because uh, she's a huge Axel fan, and I I need to shout out to her because because she was like she was like because when she she's a writer I work with a lot when she heard we were doing Axel she's like I need that script I need to write for Axel so so uh, she wrote the script but it, we were really happy and and she did a great job so okay. uh, Caroline Fair she she rocked it so and she was a huge Axel fan so hey it had to wants, happen <laughs> she wants to come on the podcast talk about Axel and cartoons you know I'm down all right I I'll let her know I'll send her an email and see what's what cool thank you thank you Michael no worries. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Sorry, I got so excited. You know, whenever you hear me talk about a subject that comes up, like cartoons I like in this episode or hockey or, you know, I go off as I often do, I get sidetracked. <laughs> and so I'm sure many of you and I, well, I, talk, I know many of you are also uh, cartoon fans and identify with whether it's Axel slash Steven Adler, who, you know, he, he loves Family Guy. He's often professed his love for Family Guy and American Dad. You know, it kind of helps you like, get closer, I think, to the band and the music that we love. So that's that's part of it. It, it. I don't know. I get a kick out of it, thinking about Axel doing this. 
as already a cartoon fan where are, there are fans that you should be working on a new record, not doing car. I don't know what he's doing with his time, man. I really don't. Um, I'm just glad <laughs> we're not just, we're not relying solely on new music from cartoons from guns and roses. Now that the band is off the road officially um, until next year. Right. Uh, what are they going to be doing? Maybe actual pop up in another cartoon. I hope so. <laughs> I also, also hope for a, a third installment. We got absurd. We got hard school. What are we number three? I have no information. I, as I talk to many of you through DM, um, I can only guess. I think a lot of the focus right now is going to be on slash uh, with Miles Kennedy and the conspirators. I can't foresee Guns N' Roses putting out anything new to detract from, from that at all. So I think once that record comes out, maybe they tour. So I think this will be it for a while. I could, as we're, we go, can always be surprised by this man and this band, but I really think that's it for a while, but that doesn't mean this podcast is going to stop. Of course not. You know, it's, uh, I can't believe we've done. Um, sometimes I feel like it's the nonstop podcast, like it's the nonstop guns and roses tour, even when there's no news. So that's where you come in and you help me, uh, you know, find guests and, or we, we find out the news, we, we break it down, what we do know. So in time, we are going to do a, a wrap-up, a tour wrap-up with some of you. I want to have on kind of like a panel, talk about uh, the tour that was. Maybe we'll have on some of you that I haven't had, where I haven't covered those specific shows yet. So to kind of talk about shows that we haven't done review episodes about. And of course, before I forget, uh, just sorry for the last episode. I did make a tweet about it in a post and it, it was in response to only one person, which I, I never do this. I really don't ban people. Uh, you can have different opinions. You could um, say really whatever you want. Like you on my, you know, if you want to curse on my social media, it's, you know, you're, you're only making yourself look bad, I guess, if you just don't really behave yourself. But if you're rude, just like rude or obnoxious to me or somebody else, I, I, I have no time for that. So uh, with the Mark episode, which did get great reviews, despite some of the audio issues. And just like how uh, today with the episode with Mike Ryan, I want some visual to go with the podcast. And for me, a lot of it had to do with just the background, having Scooby-Doo as a background, different uh, stills from the episode with Axel. And to add to this podcast, the YouTube portion of it, because there's a lot of people that find us through YouTube. Not every podcast uh, platform can be heard everywhere. It's just so I want to I don't want to be limited to certainly one platform. I want to be heard and I, I, I got to compete. You know, YouTube is just uh, I'm late to the game, if anything. So I really just became enchanted with the idea of talking to Mark Cantor from the booth, the Guns N' Roses booth at Cantor's Deli. And I was able to tell right away that he was skipping a little bit cutting out a little bit, but it just didn't seem too bad. You know, usually I, I could have said, I just didn't want to reschedule it. It's hard. That's something else that's hard. And especially when I get a, a few fans together to, to do an episode, you know, I have, I have a full-time job. I have a full-time, I have a, another part-time job. I'm writing that book, you know, with, with dog that's taking up a lot of my time. I have a fiance. I have to show that I actually, you know, I'm involved in her life. I mean, we do stuff. So, I mean, it's just, it's hard for me to, if this was my priority, I could have taken time, really edited it down to a fine tooth comb or made the decision to do it somewhere else, reschedule it. Um, but I thought, you know what? I can clean it up pretty well on the audio side, which I think I did. And then the video side, whatever awkward pauses there are because of uh, he's Mark's buffering or we lost connection. Hopefully I entertained you with my awkwardness. <laughs> I just hope at the end of the day, I can go on the fly well enough to make it not seem as bad. So that was kind of my reasoning, but still um, fun times with Mark that went way longer than I wanted to. But the fact, you know, he ended with a never uh, before told Axel story about losing his keys. So it's not like anything controversial. I always love when I always love, love when guests tell me I've never told this story before. Isn't that what you want to make them comfortable to tell you something they've never said before? And again, it's not like it's anything inappropriate. It's 
you know, it's, these are fun stories that I get out of people. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if we'd get another Scooby episode on. It's just very cool to be a fly on that wall, to see Axel record these cartoons and to laugh and to do it in sometimes in their radio setting, uh, you know, with a few people like a table read, I guess, if you're familiar with that phrase, sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll see cl- clips of that other like sitcoms, people going and that'll help people read. Uh, Cause not everyone could do it on their own when it's just them in a booth. And I'll say that like what kind of like what I'm doing right now. It's very hard. It took me a long time to be able to, host a podcast really it was uh unnerving those first few episodes without ian believe it or not i've never been the guy i mean i've had been parts of big shows i've had my own you know even when i'm the guy on uh those fm classic rock stations you're not the guy the guy is the radio stations that's how i look at it the 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 star is the music I'm just the idiot that talks for 30 seconds between songs a minute, you know, uh, to tell you about the local barbecue happening that weekend. But it was never just being by yourself, recording, you know, line after line after line. So actually, when I started doing those classic rock things pre-recorded, I couldn't do it. Go from going from live to pre-recorded, I was just so critical. I'm like, this sucks. I'm over pronunciating. I'm listening back to myself. And this was the, around the time Chinese democracy was not even out yet. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm sw- I swear to you, this is how GNR nerdy I am to keep that phrase going. Uh, before Chinese democracy came out, this is when I was working in, in Cape Cod and I'm trying to do what, what voice tracking, you may hear, just recorded breaks that you'll, you'll put in between songs if, you know, for whatever reason. I forget, maybe there were overnight things I had to do, and I, I forget the reason why I was voice tracking some stuff at the time, but I just couldn't do it. I just kept what I perceived as messing up. And I'm like, I can't Chinese democracy this. I can't make everything perfect because I'm, it's taking me hours upon hours to voice track, you know, maybe 20 lines. And I'm getting frustrated, angry. I just got to do it as well as I can. And if it's not perfect, move on. That's what it is in the moment. You know, that's that's rock and roll. So that's kind of how I approach this podcast at times, even though it is pre-recorded. Sometimes you just got to do it. And if there are some blemishes, that's okay. Because I don't know, this isn't uh, 2020. This is the, the nightly news. This is a Guns N' Roses themed podcast where we look at life through Guns N' Roses colored glasses. I say all these phrases that's Guns N' Roses bar mitzvah it's Guns N' Roses themed bar mitzvah party to broadcast. So it's not, if it's not perfect, I think that's okay. I had to let go of my Chinese democracy Axel side of me because I would never get anywhere in life. Axel has the luxury to wait. He's already created his legacy. I'm still trying to create mine. Um, that sounded a little too uh, like, a, like a movie trailer. He created his own legacy. I'm trying to create mine. I'm just trying to build myself. So I, anyway, you know what I mean? I don't have the time to the, the BS. I can, I'll make things better and I'm a professional. So again, on the audio side where my expertise are at, um, I will always make the time to make, uh, take the time to make it sound as good as possible. But if there's video stuff, I can only do so much. And that also leads me to say, as we wrap up this episode, if you want to continue to help, because I can't do this episode without you, and, and you, in this episode, uh, I will include, again, thank you to Kevin Fleming and Rob Janis, the, uh, the awesome writers from the Looney Tunes episode, and they helped me book this. So without befriending people like that, befriending people like you who have gotten me guests in the past who helped me ask great questions, you know, um, well, I have to bring it up. Shout out to the listener who had me ask about Axel and the archaeology Um Forgive me, I don't have it, that your Twitter thing up. But if without your great questions, my show wouldn't be anything. It would be nothing. I wouldn't get to interview. You know, I maybe I would have left after when when Ian left. But it's because of you that have helped me get through any sort of anxiety, helped me build the show. But it could be better. You know what I mean? I could take the time to edit video, 
if we get bigger. And that's only, again, with your help. So not just with booking guests, follow on social media, new Twitter, numbers are going up, still not where we used to be. So at the AFD podcast, please follow, especially since Facebook and Instagram are not uh, reliable anymore. <laughs> Be shut down uh, for half the day the other day. Uh, but anyway, you can still follow on Facebook, facebook.com slash the AFD show, uh, Instagram, Appetite for Distortion. That's the best way to have the conver- have a, keep the conversation going between the podcasts and to suggest guests and to be a part of this broadcast is to follow on social media. And to keep up to date with what I'm trying to do, what we are doing with Doug Goldstein's book, I'll say I, I, was, I was given a bunch of tasks and things I need to do from somebody in the business that, you know, what will make this book sellable. And it was kind of uh, overwhelming. And I, I like, I need to do this. I'm not going to not do this. And I told, I told Doug that pretty much. I'm like, I just want to let you know, because we're honest with each other. Of course, we're writing a book together. And he goes, picture, you know, how would you eat an, eat an elephant? I'm like, eat an elephant? He's like, just, let's just say you had an eat an elephant. Um, okay, uh, I would just start somewhere. And he's like, yep, that's how you do it. Just start somewhere and eventually you'll get through the whole thing. So uh, I'm going to continue to eat that elephant, um, uh, i.e. Doug Goldstein's book. We'll see how... I'll keep you up to date, you know, and there, there is some downside bringing you on the, the early stages, but it's fun letting you know all the behind the scenes And when it comes out, it's going to be very nice just rewarding for me, but for you to be a part of this process, I think, because it's never been done like this before. I don't think not at, not at a, a GNR level, a big band level where they, they take you along for the writing process. Oh, and I will say this, uh, which also involves you. If you want a question answered by Doug Goldstein in the book, you can email us at the AFD show at gmail.com. We have already recorded some of your questions to be transcribed by me and to be placed appropriately by me in the book. So it will happen. So there, I don't know if we'll, we'll call the, the chapter fans and roses or something. That's something Doug threw out, um, out there, but they will, you will be spoken about, you the fan, the Guns N' Roses fan, uh, and some of you specifically will be named uh, if we get your question in the book, and many of you will. When has that ever happened? I don't know. So come along on this, uh, this whole crazy trip, this podcast, Night Train, this, uh, this book excursion, all of it. And what is to come, I guess? This, the possibilities are endless. It, it really is. That's what this... This show and you, the AFD show listener, the Bad Apple, have shown me the possibilities are endless. And I will announce, I've already announced it on Twitter, this big guest that's coming up. And that's been something that's been great about these recent guests that we've had. Um, They've all taken months to make happen. Really. Uh, Mark, I mean, Mark was never, once I got him once, it wasn't hard, but I contacted him earlier in the summer and now it worked out but andrew stockdale i've been following up since february february no fault to him and the busy people finally happened michael i've been as you heard us talking about months so this person um i never got response from until now it was so weird i'm like who am i gonna like i don't know who to interview like who am i gonna email next who's this is what I do sometimes when I don't get great suggestions from you. And all of a sudden, and this happens when you get to interview people and you get on uh, labels, radars, or record companies, radars, you start to get those email blasts about who's putting out what record and what promotion. And sometimes, it, a lot of times, it's not bands that are relevant to you, but you want to be on these email lists because it's like, hey, do you want to interview Josh Freeze? Why, yes, I do. <laughs> so Josh Freeze may be the next episode. We'll see. But Josh Freeze confirmed, although nothing is ever confirmed, other than Axel's love of Taco Bell, which is still a great, great line. We'll see. But I have it in an email form. It's confirmed. We'll see uh, when it actually gets recorded. Um, it should be next week as I'm putting it out. 
other than that, what else will you see? When will the next episode be coming out? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. Security, I'm going home.